There was a time and place that this university was feared. My goal as the head football coach at the University of Tennessee is to get us back to that point. All right? Let me just quote the late, great Colonel Sanders. He said, I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. What is that? That's what she said. Punched up in the end zone. It's tipped up. It's caught. It is caught. Jawan Jennings. Jawan Jennings. Good morning. Afternoon. Evening. Brunch time. Lunch time. NFL draft time. Three guys sitting around watching David Attenborough's Planet Lifetime. Better than the three of us watching Lifetime. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Ryan Callahan, Patrick Brown coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio on a Thursday morning. We'll release this on a Thursday afternoon, which means that you're going to, if you count Saturday as the first day of the week, which no one does, but if you did, Count Saturday night as the really the start of the week. This will be the second of three podcasts this week. So we are we are doing our mea culpa for going our first week without one last week. It was way sad. To, way to try to rewrite the calendar to make yourself sound better, like you're having three podcasts in a week. Yeah, we're we're trying our the best. Effort. We're trying our best to to make up for that. We need to be better. We had a we had a rough week, but we're bouncing back to bring you. All the news coming into what I think we can all agree, guys, will go down in the history books as just a memorable, memorable NFL draft week for Tennessee. Just so many. How many first-round picks are there in this thing? Probably a million. Oh, yeah. A lot. Well, even last year's draft class still only had one draft, one first-rounder. That's true. Alvin Kamara should have been a first-rounder. <laughs> yeah, worth a first-rounder. Instead, the New Orleans Saints robbed everyone. If they could go back and do a redraft... He would be a first-rounder. Yes. Yes, he would. Because he is Mr. Offense, Mr. Excitement. Man, what a... Hey, have you guys heard about the time that he was at Tennessee and he wasn't the starter until I, he had to be? I, I never hear about that, especially now after the fact. <laughs> Do you remember that time he got three offensive touches in a game against Florida? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> was it three? I thought it was six. I think he got... I thought it was six. It was like you, four carries, six total touches. Whatever it was, it wasn't enough. I remember if you t- if you take his touches on offense and special teams in that game, it was still like single-digit touches. To be fair, they did throw it to him twice. One was batted away at the goal line on fourth down. Uh, the other was dropped on a bad throw by Dobbs. Ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Jones speaking. I'm... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I see what you did there. Um, I, we should point out that the play before, the, the the play that preceded the fourth down pass breakup was an interesting one where Antonio Callaway, he's been in the news this week. Yeah. Former he's Florida a, receiver. He's having a good week. Uh, I can't remember which conference call I was listening to, of which NFL draft guys it was. But somebody was like, yeah, Callaway's first-round talent. Ten-cent head. He's not going to be taken in the first round, though. He's probably not going to be taken in the first seven rounds. Yeah, that's some some concerns yeah. there. When he's, you show up at the combine, he's a knucklehead. Anyways, to finish that story before you talk uh, on Callaway, the he tried to catch a punt at the two. Yeah, you know some things make sense now. Um, mm-hmm. And then he's like, "I'm so high, this will be fun." And then the Tennessee fan favorite, the guy that on Tennessee's roster that every Tennessee fan would love to see him just ball out this year, is Dylan Bates recovered the fumble. 
That might be the highlight of Dylan Bates' career. I think that when when they make a one shining moment for him on Senior Day, <laughs> it will be his one shining moment. I think I think that will they'll be like this is a, a hit. It literally one shining moment. Literally, how great one. how great would that be if every senior before they came out through the tee for the final time, you had to sit there and watch like a one minute one shining moment of each player, just yeah. turn it into like a thirty minute. Yeah, they'll, they'll be like Senior Day starts at six a.m. <laughs> we, we we get a lot of questions about Dylan Bates. A lot. Understandably More so. More per tackle than any player on the team, I would say. Yeah, and, it, you know, we, we were asked, you know, we did an all-day chat on, what, Wednesday? Yes. Yep. It's like, why hasn't it worked out? He was you know, a highly rated guy, whatever. And it's just like, you, know, you don't really know. It just didn't pan out. But in his defense... Not that he's not athletic or whatever. No, I think, I think he was injured a lot early, and yeah. it sort of hurt him. Three but strength coaches in four phys- years, three yeah. dietitians in four years. You hear physicality as a knock on him. You hear instincts. I think instincts sometimes are not what, they, what you would think they would be for a guy but with his blood. I'll say this for Bates. There are a lot of guys that were higher rated than him that did worse than he has and have done less yep. and have embarrassed themselves in the program. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and he's going to play on special teams this year, probably. I mean, you know, because of what his dad was to the program and what he was in the NFL for so many years, and because he was, <laughs> excuse me, such a highly touted prospect, you know, who who had great offers, legitimately great offers. I still understand. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. There are times where my eyes roll a little bit. I think we're all like that, but it's just because you hear, get the question so many times. But I mean, he's such a good. I mean, there's such a good story, and I understand why people just keep wanting him to be really good. But well, he was you know, just I, really highly ranked too. Yeah, and, and and that's what I'm saying. He was highly ranked, and because of the bloodlines, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a lot of reasons why people wanted him to be special. Because a lot of people thought he was going to be special, and, was, and, and, he, and and every time there's a new coach or a new coordinator or or one of the starters gets hurt, people are like maybe this is Dylan Bates' time to step up and shine. Hey, you know, maybe so. I mean, college football. I'll say this: college football history. There's so many guys who go who go down in history for like they don't they get finally get a shot as a senior and they end up being a really good player. You know, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna completely write the guy off. But yeah, well, know. I was gonna say the the crazy thing is you think back the time he signed with Tennessee in 2014, he he was looked at at the time they had a bad linebacker situation yeah. and. He was looked at as a guy who could be a four-year starter at linebacker if he lived up to the hype. Step up, make an immediate impact. And yeah, yeah and now we're talking about a guy who's—I'm pretty sure—yet to start a game, right? Going into his fifth-year senior season. Uh, he may have started a game when I they went four-three or something like yeah. that. But yeah. And and anyways, um, back to the original point. Boy, yeah. Antonio Callaway's high a lot. <laughs> you know that that's. It, 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 hey, it's legal in a lot of places. In our lifetime, I think it'll probably be legal everywhere. But. Um, Right now, when I when I see somebody going to the combine and failing a drug test, it's like that scene in Friday when he's like, "How you get fired on your day off?" It's kind of what it reminds me of. It's like, bro, you know they're gonna test you. It's the combine. They want to know everything. They're gonna ask you the dumbest, most in private, invasive questions you've ever been asked in, in your life. They're going to be prying into any and every injury you've ever had. They're going to be wanting medical scans and tests. I think they're probably going to drug test you during that. Just a thought. How dumb. How dumb. And, I, and I've said it before. I think the stuff should be legal. I have no problem saying that. No problem at all. I think there's many reasons why. However, the fact is, in many places, it is not. And you know they're going to test you at the combine. You know they are. 
How dumb do you have to be? <laughs> Antonio Callaway's high a lot, man. You just answered your own question. Yeah, I mean. You know, he's like Towley on South Park or something, it seems <laughs> like, you know? It's like they're in practice. He's like, hey, nice play. You want to get high? You mean? There are those guys who, and part of it's because probably he's gotten the star player treatment for so long in his career that just think they can do whatever they want to do and they never get the wake-up call seriously enough or they just enjoy getting high so much they can't stop. But whatever it is, they've they've yet to have, have their livelihood threatened enough that the message hasn't gotten through. Yeah, and, were, and I think that hasn't happened with him, clearly. There's a segue here, but I don't want to make it. Well, no, the, there was a recent... Yeah, there is a natural one. We'll get to that, but I'll make one more point. Wes, you can make it. Um, You're the controversial figure of this trio. No. I, I, listen, <laughs> I think the stuff should be legal. I'll say that again. But Controversy. But it, it, it's... This is the GoVols 24-7 podcast where Wes opines for the legalization of marijuana. Brought to you by GoVols 24-7. I'm just, I read a story recently. That's going to be the headline, right? The one yes. where Wes... The one, the the one, to get pot the one where Wes talks. Uh, Wes one, wants legalization of weed. Where where Wes preaches weed legalization to the Bible Belt. Yeah, that's that's a it's a good one. Uh, but you know, it, it, it's I read a story hey, about an hey, NFL we, player. We, we have listeners all over the world. That's true, worldwide, worldwide. Even even finally, You're worldwide, Wes. Even Prestige, finally, worldwide. in South Dakota, even the last state in the union. Shout out to you guys in South we Dakota. We had we had there were like more than fifty or sixty countries. Who were tuning into the GoVault twenty four seven podcast before South Dakota did? Investors, possibly you, possibly you. And here's the worst part of it: two of my best friends, legitimately, two of my probably ten best friends in the world, from the state of South Dakota. So I know they weren't listening, or their families weren't listening. So if they told me they had been, I'm like, you are lying. You're a lying liar who tells lies, and not unless you have an IP blocker or something. I, I know that you're fibbing right now. But there was an NFL player who said that a lot of guys, and even coaches, some coaches that he knew, smoked pot before every game. He said it was the only thing that would calm him down and stop him from, like, getting too fired up and help him get focused and play. Whatever, that's not, you know, a lot of people don't react to to pot that way, but apparently some do. And the point is, there's way worse things you could be out there doing. And he said that if you are a guy who's not ever failed a test before, you basically know a couple times a year when they're going to test you, so you can spend most of the season, as long as you don't get arrested, and smoke pot whenever you want. And that leads us to the segue of uh, one of Tennessee's oh, potential draftees this season. Hold on. Hold I didn't on. want to make it, but you did. Thank you for falling on the well, grenade. Yep. I'll fall on that grenade, and I love the kid. And I don't think, again, if you have one pot bust on your resume – I don't think that's a character red flag. I just don't think it is. In this day and age, it, it's a kid but, doing something that a kid does. Just If you have three or four or something like that, then you go, okay, well, you're just an idiot because you can't stop when you know you're going to be tested. Or if you find out that during his career he played, you know, he had four or five failed tests, and that was just an example of what was the bigger problem behind the scenes, sure. sure. You know, then maybe you worry about it a bit more. Sure. And, and, you know, I think even people who know that – even people like me who think the stuff – um, should be legal. Don't think you should be driving around, you know, smoking it in the car. Uh, that, that's not a good idea at all. But John Kelly did have a a a, a marijuana arrest. But you know, I've not heard a lot about unless I've been reading some. Unless I'm just not reading the right places, 
I've not seen John Kelly listed as one of the big character red flag guys. I've not seen no. that. I've not. Maybe that's just because he's not a first or second round. I was going to say pick. part of that's because he's getting mid round and late round talk. But yeah, I, th- I think that's been. I mean, he was he was a guy who got invited to the combine. I, I think that's been minimized a bit. I think I think in a way the biggest red flag or concern about him is is maybe just wondering about his his decreased production toward the end of last year when Tennessee's offensive line struggled. And even even with that, I think you could look at some things on film and say. Could you have maybe done more there? You know, things like that. And, and he mentioned that the, after Tennessee's pro day, I thought this was interesting, that one of the things he kind of gets questioned about is reading, you know, reading the hole and making the right decision on where to go on some plays and, you know, indicating that he, you know, maybe he freestyles a bit too much or, may, you know, just kind of questioning why'd you go here instead of there. I have a theory on that. Go ahead. No, you can finish your Oh, point. no, that's, that's pretty much all I had. I think that when you don't trust your offensive line to block for yes. you, I think, you know, we're human beings are creatures of habit. And my point is that a lot of times running backs on teams that don't have good offensive lines will bounce it outside when they don't need to. And so you're sitting there saying, well, he's trying to make every play a 70-yard carry. He, he doesn't just take the four or five yards that are there. It might be, in a lot of situations, a case where he thinks – my four or five yards are not there. They're outside because if I run to the middle, I'm running right into the line of scrimmage and getting maybe one yard on every carry. And that, you know, it's one of those things that you can tell yourself time and time again. You know, it's, it's like a guy who, you know, when guys miss layups sometimes because they're expecting contact and there's no contact there and they miss the layup because they're just creatures of habit and they're used to having some contact. I mean, that's why guys miss a lot of bunnies because, you know, you're just used to getting bumped and when you don't, it's almost like your body doesn't know what to do. I think there were times with Tennessee, Tennessee's offensive line that Kelly and some other backs tried to bounce it outside because that's the only place they knew they could get yards. So I, 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 don't, I don't know if that's – and, again, I don't, we don't watch as much film and we don't watch the same kind of film a lot of times that these coaches do. But you're right. I mean, anytime you see the production drop off the way it did, regardless of the O-line situation – you, you're not doing your job as an NFL scout if you don't, pr, you know, pry into that. You have to. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't think he'll be the first Tennessee player taken. I think that'll be Rashawn Golden just because yep. of the emphasis on uh, defensive backs in this league. I mean, and the nickels. Yeah, right. I mean, you're, you're, how, how, I think I saw a tweet. I don't know who tweeted it, but your third and fourth cornerbacks now are probably more valuable than a guy that isn't probably going to be your starting running back. Which well, I, don't think, I don't think Kelly will be, but I think, I think what's going in Kelly's favor is what he did at the start of last year. Uh, his Florida tape was outstanding. Yes, it was. Um, and then obviously I think, too. I like the if Georgia I, Tech I, tape, too. If I'm John Kelly, I'm saying, hey, you know, look at Alvin Kamara. Yep. You know, he wasn't, you know, his numbers here weren't great. You know, he had some big games. But overall, you know, I had more yards than him in 2016. That's, that's it, what I'd be saying. Interestingly <laughs> enough, I think it's John fair. Kelly benefits sort of from the same sales pitch that may have helped Alvin Kamara. There's not that many miles on the odometer. You know, he, he got a Plus. decent number of carries as a sophomore, but he was only a full-time starter for one year. Um, even even last year, he probably didn't get as many carries as he could have. So I think there's some people who look at him as maybe a guy who was underused a little bit in college, and that, that works in his favor I, a little bit. I would say underused, maybe misused a little bit too. Yeah. Um, yep. Golden's a guy, I, I, I think his game translates to the NFL. I don't know that he's going to – he didn't wow anybody at the draft or at the Combine. Um, he's a tape I, guy. I don't, I don't know why people would make the Alabama th- thing a thing. I, I, but then again, you're talking about a league that, you know, let's Greg Hardy play. But let's say if you do it during an NFL people game, people that, that silently protest get 
if you do it Sorry, during an NFL game, it's, there. it's a thing. This is a very controversial podcast already. Yeah, if you if you <laughs> yeah, do it in a Ravens Steelers game or something, you know, it becomes a thing. So I think that's why it's probably a consideration. If, yeah. if, if you're, I mean, if it's one of those heat of the moment things, and like, how bad is it really? Right. Yeah. Go oh, I agree. I mean, I, it happens on the interstates and the roads every day. And I and I actually, if I'm a if I'm yeah, a especially team, especially if you're an angry driver like one of us on this podcast is, I won't name names. It's not that big a deal. One of these three people in this room right now is the nicest person in the world until you get them behind the, the wheel of a vehicle. Look, it's not my fault that everyone around me is a bad driver, all right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm aggressive. I'm aggressive. Big, tough. I'm just aggra- trying to get away from all you people. That's <laughs> why I drive so aggressive. He's like the Ed Orgeron Hummer commercial of drivers. Tell him about it, Jojo. I'm big, tough, and aggressive on the road. I need a Hummer. You need a Hummer. <laughs> Tell him about it, Jojo. Get out of my way, old lady. I'm going through. But I, I, I think that's... Um, yeah, I, I, if I'm looking at that as an NFL executive, I I see the competitiveness there. I see a guy whose team's getting stomped, and he's still excited enough about a, an interception return. He's probably one. sick of his yeah. team being stomped. Yeah. And he said, and, and I loved his explanation of it too. When he goes, "Listen, I shouldn't have done it, but in fairness, I do hate Alabama." But, so, so he was <laughs> honest about that. He was like. I hate Bama. That it got the best of me, but I hate Bama. I mean, if you're if you're like you know, uh, like you said, Steelers Ravens, and he's like, yeah. I shouldn't have done it, but man, I hate the Ravens. You love and, that, you know? Or Philly's like, man, I you know I hate the Giants or Cowboys. That's why I did this. And it's not like a fan has never flipped off a college player. Yes. Let's just be honest, or pro player. Yes, but yeah, well, I mean, we're talking. Yeah, you know, pro players are different. College yeah. kids, they're college kids. Yep. I mean, yeah. It's true. I mean, they're the same kind of people that will go and cuss out college kids on Twitter. Yeah, I have. I, mean, I see. I'm not even that concerned about Galden there because I think Galden's normally a guy, and I don't mean this in a bad way. He can be a chameleon. He knows who he needs to be chameleon. in what situation, yeah. and he can, you know, he can be a guy who he can keep it real with his teammates, and you can put him out there in a commercial and on the, your promo videos, and he, you know, looks like he's. You know, just stepped out of you know some really just, nice prep school, and you know, he's extremely well spoken. He yes. just he just posted a video of him like in a suit, looking all yeah, looking all nice. He, he knows he, he nice kn- touch. He's smart enough to know, like in this world of marketing and PR, the Bama bird notwithstanding, he knows how to be in what situation. Uh, and I'm not I'm hardly the only person to use this phrase, but I just refer to Gordon as a tape guy. Just yep, you know, disregard everything you see in the workouts and in, in the bench press and the forty. Just watch the tape. Well, and that's, just watch the tape. That's the only thing about him is how much will is. And he did it in the SEC, so that's a pretty. Yeah. If you do it in the in the SEC as a as a defensive player, that's a pretty good barometer usually as to how you can do it the next level. Yeah, that, and that's the only question: how much will his forty time or, or lack lack of a flashy forty time hurt him? Um, I, I don't think it kills him, but I do think you have to look at the film to see him as a second or third round player. I think if you're just looking at the measurables, you probably see him as a fourth or fifth round Oh, guy. yeah. But I think also, I mean, it's not just that he can play nickel. It's that you look at, you know, you're dressing 45 guys. You get a 53-man active roster, and you're dressing 45 or whatever for games. This is a guy who, if a bunch of guys get hurt in a, in a pinch, you can throw him any of those five or six spots on the back end, and he can – Go out there and not embarrass you, and that yeah. that I think has a lot of value to it. I, I agree. The only th- and my I only have one concern with Galden, period, and that's that. And it, it's almost like I don't want to refer to it as a backhanded compliment. I don't want it to sound that way, or or something of that ilk. But he he plays so hard, and he's so slender injury that that's prone. just a he's injury he can he's in, he's injury prone because he's so tough. If he wasn't. 
the kind of guy he is, but that makes him the player he is because he's a bit he, reckless almost. Because he just, I mean, there's a way normally where you can go after a guy who weighs 250 pounds or 240 pounds. You know, a lot of times those guys, they'll go down at the knees or, you know, now, now you have to keep it in the strike zone. But you know what I mean? They'll, they, they know how to go after big guys in the open field. Galden just DGAF. He just runs full speed into everybody all the time. And he's not as big as Nigel Warrior or some of those other guys who do that. So I think that causes some of the health concerns with the shoulders and all these other things and, and his legs because he just plays so freaking hard. And that's a compliment to him because you watch tape and you're like, man, I want a team full of guys who play just like that. But he's not a big guy and that yeah, I can think that gets him hurt. How many injuries did he have is in his Tennessee career. Now, he broke his hand his freshman year. Yeah. But played through it. Uh, he had his foot injury, but that was a non-contact injury. That was – he was just playing and cutting on a, on a punt drill. I think like everybody else in the program, too, he had a shoulder issue at some point, but he played through it. But, but everybody – I mean, they have – If you're in, if you're playing – if you're on the field playing, how, how hurt are you? Right? I, I did talk to a trainer once who – I was asking him about somebody's shoulder or whatever. If, I was like, is it one of those – I won't tell, say the player it is, but I was like, is it one of those AC deals? Because it was a – it was a basketball player. So I was talking to some of the training staff, and I was like, yeah, one of those AC deals? He goes, what, you mean like the entire football team has every year? Yeah, it's one of those. And and he he didn't mean that in a bad way. No, 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 no. He meant it like if you play football, you're going to have a shoulder separation at some point, no matter how good you are, no matter how you know well-proportioned you are, no matter how technically sound you are, you're going to have shoulder problems at some point because your shoulder's not built to do what they do at that speed. So – Guys get hurt, but I, I still think in this modern game, I just I would take Rashawn Galden on my team in a second. I think that he's a really good player. I think he's ne- he's not going to embarrass you. I think he learned from that Bama thing. I don't think that's something yeah. that's going to happen again. Uh, but you know, hey, well, I, I I think he helps you. I, I think you made a fair point about how hard he played. I think in high school, you that or in college, that was one of the things you worried about him uh, was that if if you put him at He's, he's such an aggressive player, and I think that hurts him in a couple of ways. One, Tennessee never felt, at least Tennessee's former staff, never felt that it could play him at safety because he was a little bit too aggressive to feel like he's responsible there playing center field. You don't, you don't want the last line defense yeah. game. You, you worried that he would pinch in and, and let, let a guy go over the top and boom, play, touchdown. Play, play action fake. Yeah, so um, so things like that concern you. So that Double moves, all that. And that leads to, I think, the second concern about him, which is he's not really a pure corner and he's not really a pure safety so i think that makes you worry about if he's not playing nickel where his best fit really is and where he where you fit into the i mean in the nfl these days you almost have to be a corner who can play any of the positions because they you know the nickel is just your third best corner a lot of times in the nfl it's not like college yeah. where you're looking for a guy with a certain build sometimes you are but, but sometimes i think that's you, changing a little bit now it in is this era. it is um but but injuries make it such where you've got to be able to play all over the place and and a guy like Galden, like you said, he he can help with that, but he also that also amplifies his weakness, which is that he doesn't have a a single position besides maybe nickel where he's a perfect fit at. So it's a he's an interesting player. I'm I, I'm not sure I can remember one in the last few years quite like him because he is so he's he's so unique as a as a player and his skill set is unique, but also his having that mentality in the secondary is so fascinating that you would just want him on your team. Yeah, it's almost like a. But, I mean, you know, like Alabama played Minka Fitzpatrick everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and and Tennessee sort of used Galden like that with the big caveat, well, so there's with like, the large caveat that Bama trusted Fitzpatrick in any situation. 
and as Ryan alluded to, Tennessee never felt really comfortable playing Gall than that safety because one, they loved him at nickel and he was better than any other nickel they had. And two, he just, he, he would, you know, you'd worried about him on play action fakes, on double moves because he was so aggressive. Well, so I'll, g- I'll give you a Tennessee related comparison, maybe. What the NFL loves these days and did even then, obviously, more than a decade ago coming out, Jason Allen, a guy that was a big corner at Tennessee, yeah, yeah. played safety some in college, played both positions in the NFL at some point, and, and teams liked him enough at corner that he was a first round pick. Uh, but that versatility kept him in the league for a long time. And, and you, you like players like that. Golden, I'm not sure he brings that because I know some teams think he can maybe could play corner, but I'm not sure everyone thinks he's a corner. And that, that makes it a, a tougher sell. So I think he's, he's going to just be a guy that's about finding the right fit. I think there will be 10 or 12 teams that really, really like him. And then there will probably be 10 or 12 teams that don't love him all that much because he's not a true corner and he's not a true I safety. mean, in, in, in like a goal line or short yardage, package or something inside the red zone i wouldn't mind him at corner yeah you know i mean of course then you say he can play there in a pinch yeah i mean he goes there and he can defend fades he's he's Mm -hmm. athletic he'll go get the ball he high points it really well he does those sorts of things Um, the downfield speed you worry about a little bit. that's what you worry about but aside from the two guys we've just mentioned who i think we all agree will be taken at some point during the draft i think of course we said this about some tennessee players in recent years and they've not been drafted and you go wait what happened there but those two, when you look, I don't want to say unanimous because nothing's unanimous in this era, but a large majority of people who do this for a living think that those two are going to be drafted. Now the question is, guys, other than those two, how many Tennessee names do we hear during the draft and how many are we going to have to wait to see in free agent signings on Saturday night? Uh, I think one at most. I, I think Kalu McKenzie is, is a guy that somebody will take a flyer on because he's big, he's strong. You maybe could convince him that he's going to play offensive line in the NFL. I know it, at, at Tennessee's Pro Day he did some offensive line drills. I'm sure he's been asking, you know, asked questions about that in some of the interviews he's done. Um, and, and, you know, you have to mention his dad. Yep. Um, every, I don't, every, I don't, every person I don't, in the league I've talked to has said, uh, it is, you know, you look at his daddy, it helps. Yeah, but, I mean, and, and that's not to say he's going to get – he would get drafted just because of his dad. But that, I mean, that's clearly something he has that no one else does. Well, not, and not just that, but dad and uncle both played in the NFL. I mean, that, having yeah. those bloodlines will give you a shot sometimes. And, and I think he's a guy that if you're an NFL team, you take a chance on him with a late pick and and you see what you got. I mean, he was a guy that was, you know, we had him rated, what, number three overall? It, it something was up like there, that. yeah, top ten. I mean, guys like that, you know, there's been guys that, that have been that highly ranked that have not, that have done less than Khalil and still gotten drafted and still maybe done well in the NFL. Uh, and, and let's I mean, be frank. I mean, if some of these guys get drafted and they go on and play well in the NFL, they wouldn't be the first or second or third guys that, that flourished after they got away from uh, from this previous coaching staff, whether it be in the NFL or elsewhere. Yeah, yeah as, as soon as he got there as a freshman, it became clear. And nobody wanted to say this out loud at first. It was just stuff that we kind of alluded to because we'd heard, heard it behind the scenes. It became apparent pretty quickly that Tuttle was actually the better of the two defensive tackles when they were freshmen. And that there were some people who from the very beginning thought as soon as Khalil got on campus and they saw him move, they were like, he could be a good defensive tackle, but he could be a great guard. And But he just never wanted to, to do that. And I've heard recently, this is now, you hear it from one person, you go, okay. You hear it from two people, you go, hmm. You know, it makes you think that it might really be true is that another one of the reasons he went pro is because he and Pruitt had a frank conversation 
where Pruitt said, I see you at guard. And that, I don't want to say that pushed Khalil out the door because Khalil's a guy who just kind of wanted to be a three and done guy. I think he wanted to go on with his life. Uh, There are some people who question because of his family's background, you know, is he a guy who really needs football? Will he be that hardcore guy who just does everything you need all the time? Excuse me, because he needs football because he has that safety net. He's a smart kid, good looking kid. He'll have no trouble, you know, getting jobs and things in life. Does he need football? And and that's something that NFL guys talk about, whether it's fair or not, they do. Um, But I thought that was interesting that if Khalil had even been on the fence, which I don't know if he was, uh, but it did surprise some people that he came out because they said whether he was going to play nose in that 3-4 or offensive line, he needed another year. So it surprised, including some agents. There were some agents who said that they got a, a late start in trying to sign him because they thought he would come back. They did not expect him to stay, you know, with the draft and all that. But but um, I, I think it's interesting that now that I've heard it from two people, I think hmm, maybe Pruitt really did tell him, if you come back, you're going to be a guard. And a really good guard, but you're going to be a guard. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it I think it was probably simpler than that. His, his decision to leave happened when Pruitt was still gone. You know, I'm sure there had been some conversation at some point between them, but I, I think he just made the decision on his own. If but I, I heard that Pruitt definitely told him before he made his decision, yeah, I, I, or I, before he announced his decision anyway. I, that's, that's interesting, but whatever whatever the case, I mean, I I think the best fit for him is going to be a team that maybe runs a 3-4 defense yeah. but wants to see him on the offensive line, and then you know that if he doesn't work out on the offensive line, you've got the fallback of just using him as another nose tackle. And he's a guy, because of his talent, you can stash him on the practice squad yeah. for a year and say, listen, man, you get one year here to prove your worth either on either side of the line of scrimmage. We're going to let you practice on both sides. Mm-hmm. We're going to move you around. We think you're a good athlete. We think you're a good kid. We want you to be a part of this, but we're going to make you prove it on the practice squad for but, a year. I can if, see that. But if a team thinks you're a practice squad guy, will they draft you? I mean, that's that's the big key. If, no, I'm saying worst case scenario yeah, is yeah. he's a practice oh, squad Oh, I agree. Guy. I, I agree. But, I, but, yeah, that's that's why I'm kind of on the fence about whether he gets drafted or not. But you hear about him. He's, he's had some pre-draft visits and things like that. Teams have shown legitimate interest in him. So I think that makes you think he could get a late flyer, but he's also the kind of guy that I could see going undrafted. And it's it's hard to believe. I mean, like we talked about, he was a top 10 player in the country coming out of high school, and we, we never would have guessed that his career would have gone by with him looking like... The Tennessee like, five-star curse. Yeah, that, that with with him looking like sort of an average player for a lot of his career at Tennessee, and, and you wouldn't have thought that at all coming in, and now it's crazy to think that he may go undrafted uh, if things don't fall his way. Well, and, and, and there's been a couple guys who... You know, we did hear that the guys who probably helped themselves the most at Tennessee's Pro Day were, and people are going to laugh at this, but Ethan Wolf won and Colton Jumper is a guy who helped himself at Pro Day, and he had some good times. And we should, we should mention Emmanuel Mosley, too. Yeah, Emmanuel Mosley helps himself. That 40-time. Th- those three guys helped themselves, I think, at, at Pro Day. And, and the guy who, you know, you do see some late-round late round grades for Mosley because he is so fast and because he works so hard. You know, he's got some of those shades of Justin Coleman, a guy who works really hard and I was just is, men- is mentally tough enough to overcome the slow start in his career. And coachable, yeah, just like Justin Coleman always was, and that's why they loved yeah. him. And, that, and that's why, you know, he Mosley's a lot like Coleman in that if you say, listen, I want you to run through that brick wall, even if he can't physically do it, he will get up a million times and try to run through that wall for you. He'll break both shoulders trying to run through that wall for you. He's just that kind of kid. Uh, that that helps and he does have four four ish speed so 
That, that's, what was it? Four three five unofficially at yeah, Tennessee's pro day. I mean, he's he, in four three four four range. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he can he can fly, and so that that helps. Um, and, and he's just a tough kid and a coachable kid. Um, but the the one name who I thought might kind of creep up a little bit more as the process went along uh, was Wolf, and it, for whatever reason, Wolf, Wolf. I'm sorry, Wolf. You're right. That's that's my that's my B, Patrick. But he's a guy who. He had some inconsistencies with his hands, but he also made some really nice catches. And he is every bit of about, what, 6'6", 250, you know, smart kid. You know, I, I thought that there was a chance that he would be a guy who, when he dedicated himself completely to football, which guys have to do for, for combine workouts and pre-draft workouts, <clears throat> I thought he was a guy who would get more more attention in that way. Was anybody else surprised or or did I just hold on to hope too long with this guy? Because um, I still don't think he's a bad football player. I don't. No, and I think he'll get a chance. Uh, I, I, just, I, I think, I think he's probably going to depend on a, on a fit. I mean, if you if you're gonna if you're a team that's going to throw the ball around a lot and you want to use him in the passing game, I think that's probably where he's best suited. I think he's probably better than that, better at that than a run blocker. So I think that's. He'll get a chance. I mean, yeah. for sure. And I think I think a lot of people thought early in his career, yeah, that he uh, would be, you know, I don't want to say the next Jason Witten. Yeah, he got, but he had some upside. And, and you thought, you know, his freshman and sophomore year, that guy looks like a future NFL tight end. I was yep. gonna say, I think he still I, might be. I think people got a little bit overzealous about him his first couple of years. I, I remember talking with Mark Elder about this when he was Tennessee's tight ends coach. He he thought going into his sophomore year. You know, he basically, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but the, the gist of it basically was, you know, people have people have basically crowned this guy as an all-SEC tight end, and he's not there yet. And, no, and he I, wasn't. And I remember people thinking that he was coming back and going into his sophomore year because he had such a promising freshman year that, that he was going to be one of the, you know, one of the best tight ends in the SEC as a sophomore. He, has, he, he did have a stronger finish to last season, though. He, he kind of yeah. he, he got over those dropsies that he had. He made some really nice fingertip was, catches, showed some toughness. So I was just about to say, in some ways, his be, the best moments of his Tennessee career were earlier in his career, and that concerns you a little bit, I think, because he did have those drop issues his junior year. Yeah. You know, his senior year, he was on a bad team, so that, that hurt him a that, little bit. That hurt everybody. Yeah, so I, I think all the, all those things concern you a bit, but the things that you liked him early in his career and later in his career are still there. He's a, He's got good size, pretty good athleticism. He's not the fastest tight end in the, in the, in the draft, and that, you know, that, that can and cannot be a big deal. Because, but there are those tight ends out there, the, the O.J. Howard types who run, you know, Evan Ingram who run great 40s yeah. and are big guys too, and that – so it's hard to compete with some of those guys sometimes, but I think he's good enough to at least get a look from someone. He's going to be in a camp somewhere. It's just a matter of whether he is viewed in a, you know, falls into a situation where he has a chance to really stay on the roster. You know, Jason Kroom is a good example. He fell into a, a good situation in the NFL and has managed to stick around so far. Um, and, you know, Ethan Wolf, it'll all be about finding that fit for him, but I think it will be as an undrafted free agent. You know who else had a really good pro day? Take a guess. Play that music. Oh, I see the I see the music being queued up. Just wait. Hold on. It's about to it's about to happen. The ultimate jumper. Hey, he ran a good forty. He ran faster than a lot of his, you know, more highly touted teammates. He ran better forties than a lot of they did at the, them, them at pro day. And had a pretty decent day on the bench. And you know Bob Shoup loved him from Colton Jumper. 
So oh, yeah. didn't love them some Colton Zumper. So is it is it a foregone? Don't answer that. Is it a foregone conclusion that he ends up being an undrafted free agent signing by the Patriots? Is it just is it just is it written in the stars? <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but I could see it. I mean, it's not the craziest thought. Just saying. He he could be a Patriot way kind of guy. He, I mean, he is the type of player that honestly it wouldn't shock me if he. I, I thought the same of Nick Rivez though, and it didn't work out for him. I thought he was one. Jumper's of those guys. bigger though. Yeah, jumper is bigger, faster. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I remember Rivez getting those workouts at fullback. You know, teams just wanted to figure out a way to make it work, but the measurables just weren't there. The, the fact that jumper has some of those same qualities, but has better size, I think gives him a shot. It wouldn't shock me if he gets a chance and, and makes a roster somehow. If he can show he's worth uh, a, a roster spot as a special teams guy, yeah, he, he could he could and, earn a shot. And at that, I'm I'm telling you, at that, at, if he runs, if he can play as fast as that forty was, what was in the four six, low four sixes or something like that, or even high four fives, it was a pretty good forty. Yeah. I remember it being a head turner. If he can just play with that kind of speed on special teams, you know, he could do that. He could be one of those. Um, one of those Bill Bates type guys in the league. He could he could be one of those, you know, guys who who just plays on every special teams unit and does that. I think all of us who know Colton Jumper would be like it'd be nice to see that um, because of the punching bag that he's been at times throughout his career. Unfortunately, he had a, he had a tough go of it at Tennessee. He probably didn't and, get a fair and, shake. And, and he 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 did a lot of it to himself because teams figured out to expose him in space and he got picked on in that way. And that's just, well, I mean, did he, did he just, do it to himself though? I mean, t- I would argue that or t- Tennessee put him in a position. I was going to say Tennessee got him in a situation where he, he was probably put in the game in some times where he ideally wouldn't have been there. And that's, that's and it's not his fault that yeah. they, you know, the other linebackers didn't pan out or were bad evaluations yeah. or not developed. And this is a, the, the bottom line is this, this is the guy who was a walk on who turned into a good player and, and started a lot of games for them. And that's, uh, that's to his credit and, and not, you know, you can't complain when a, when a walk on that turns into that ends up being not as athletic as you would like them to be. If you found a walk on who was a useful football player, that's a steal. Now, before we get out of here, who, who are some of the, the other guys who, we expect to be camp guys. How many of them there? Because there's probably what almost double digits or so, if you include all the guys they're, who could be in a camp. Yeah, they're always a good number. I, I I think this year, you know, we've touched on a few already. I think Ethan Wolf, you know, Emmanuel Mosley, all all those guys are going to get going to get looks. I think um, the the question becomes when you get further down the list, does a guy like a Brett Kendrick get a look? You know, he had some. I think Brett Kendrick gets a look. He, he had some versatility in college where he could play any any of the five positions on the offensive I line. I think he'll get. I think he'll be in a camp somewhere. So yeah, I, I, I wonder about a guy like him. You know, do, um, Kendall Vickers. You know, he was an interesting player. Uh, does he does he get a chance because he was just a sturdy guy? That I mean, he not not enough of a playmaker probably to get much never, of a chance ne- never but, misses a day yeah. never misses a rep but does he does he get a look you know he was a pretty good athlete coming out of high school are there still enough flashes of that for a team to think there's some upside there you know he was a fairly productive player in college just not a much of a pass rushing type or at 300 pounds can you can you even maybe look at him at guard or something like that if he has that kind of if he can be that not the biggest guy so that doesn't work no he's not favor, but he's but, what about 63 305 something like that that's what he said he is now i think yeah. he said he's around 300 or so I'm I'm really disappointed in both of you, because you two, <laughs> Justin have for- Martin, have forgotten that punters are oh, people yeah. too. We we definitely. Can't I forget. was not gonna. I was gonna mention him on the way out the door. Hashtag West New. No, I was gonna mention. He, he deserves uh, more than a mention out the door. I was gonna mention. Trevor, was, Trevor Daniel definitely will get a chance. I was mentioning Justin Daniel and then him. That was my point. Justin Daniel. Justin. Who's Justin Martin Daniel? And then Trevor is Daniel. He, is, my goodness. Is he related to Eli Pope? 
Eli Pope. <laughs> Eli Pope, what's the other one? The, the Cameron Tatum, Tennessee offensive tackle, Cameron oh, Tatum. Wow. The I other one that I've I done heard that before. One. That's good. I am old uh, and stupid. I, 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 I got a bad brain. I'm not even going to hate on myself. Trevor I got Daniel, a bad brain. Trevor Daniel will get a chance in a camp. And so it's just a different like landscape for punters in terms of the NFL draft because he's not, you know, it doesn't matter if he gets drafted or not. He's looking for teams that have a, the right situation. You want a guy that either isn't you know, a current punter that isn't as good. Maybe he's old. Maybe he's expensive. Yeah. And you could say, hey, I can be just as good for cheaper. You save money. Well, on me, you can use it elsewhere. And that's kind of how those go. And obviously for him, there's a little bit of a legacy for him because yeah. this is a punter you were punter talking you. about. Uh, Matt Dard didn't get drafted. He was one of the guys that didn't get drafted. Uh, when Tennessee had, was it two years that they didn't have a draft pick? Yeah. Two, two years. He was one of the guys that didn't go, that didn't get drafted, but wound up playing and starting. He didn't have, he didn't play last year. Um, but Michael Plardy was a guy that was undrafted and, and ended up winning a job. So, um, you know, it'll, it, the team is more the thing with, with Daniel, if you're trying to see if he's going to be the next guy in the line with the Colquitts and with Plardy, uh, yeah, I mean, you wonder about the versatility because they're going to want a guy who in a pinch can go off the tee and can, can hit long field goals, and we don't know if Daniel can do anything like that. I've asked him before, and he's like, man, nah, in an emergency I could maybe do it, but it's not his not his strength. And sometimes you like punts, punters to be kickoff guys and stuff like that, and I don't know if he's got that uh, weapon in his bag, to be honest. Uh, I don't know if he has that. And the other thing about Daniel is there would be a lot of years, a lot of years, where he would be – the top punter coming out. Yeah, this is a good punting class. And this is he, the best. A lot of people say the best he can be is third, because of the because of Thompson and because of J.K. Scott. So, you know the. the Do you mean Townsend? Townsend and not Tommy Townsend, former Tennessee Vol. Tommy Townsend, but Johnny. Johnny. Johnny Townsend. Here's Johnny. Here's Johnny. And you know he did have better numbers than those guys at times during his Tennessee career. He did, but. When you watch J.K. Scott, I mean, when you watch Trevor Daniel hit a ball, you're like, wow, that's an NFL punter. When you watch J.K. Scott punt it, when he really gets a hold of it, you're like, that is, that's like an out-of-this-world punter. That's an all-pro punter. Because he gets a lot of the same distance, but with even more hang time. He's just a freak. Um, he's also like seven foot four, it seems like, and he's got that long leg to, to get to swing around the ball. But, you know, I... I I think he's got a chance. I also think because of his size, Justin Martin's a guy who gets a chance somewhere. I think he gets in a camp just because it's hard to find defensive backs who can run like he can and, and have that much kind of dexterity and fluidity at that size. So he's a guy who I think <clears throat> excuse me, can, can get some looks. Um, and then you go down to the list of the other offensive linemen, you know, guys who it's going to be tougher for, guys like Jayshon Robertson, Coleman Thomas. Those guys, I don't, I don't know if there's much of a shot there. And with uh, should have been Mississippi State cornerback Shaq Wiggins, I don't know if there's much of a. You still salty about that? I, y'all were gonna bring it up. I just beat you to the punch on it. I actually wasn't going to mention him because nope. I'm not sure he's worth much of a mention in this in this podcast. But hey, he yeah. says on his uh, on his social media that he is working out for the draft. Yeah, I'm sure he is, but I don't see him getting drafted. He's a he's a five maybe five nine corner with not. Exceptional speed. That's a tough sell these days. And played at like eight colleges, which does not help. It raises some questions, at least, of why you went to three different schools. It does. It does. So, there's anybody else? I mean, we've mentioned Robertson, and we've it, mentioned Thomas, but I, I don't. I don't know. I would say the best chances for guys to get drafted beyond Galden and John Kelly, John Kelly or McKenzie, and 
honestly, I was surprised by doing working on some stuff for something I'm going to do on Thursday afternoon. But NFL.com has a sixth or seventh round projection on Emmanuel Mosley. Hey, I, I like Emmanuel that 40 Mosley. Time I gets do. You some looks, and he's five eleven ish. So it's yeah. interesting. Because That's, because of the way he works and goes about his business too, NFL guys love long time guys like Mosley who who I just, are. Just, I want to see the the Tennessee fan reaction if like Mosley and Colt Jumper were taking like the seventh round oh back man. to back because oh those man. two guys were con- you know punching back. Mosley was a guy that a lot of people didn't you know. And any any yeah you know he he seemed to be a little bit of a punching bag as well. Maybe not as bad as Colt Jumper got it, but Mosley was a guy that a lot of people thought, well, why is he out there? He's well, better than the other guys you got. Yeah, because uh, have you seen the alternatives? Because they are they are alternatives for a reason. But I think I think that's a pretty fair look at the draft. I don't I don't know that now, it's going to be now. Where do we see one. these guys going though? Do we think Galden slips into the second or third round? Where you know where do we? Think uh, these guys I think Galden's got an outside chance at slipping into the. He's got an outside chance of going Friday. I wouldn't surprise me, but yeah, I'm not. So you think maybe third? I'll have a story ready. Yeah. <laughs> Ready to go. I, I, I think so. I th- there, there was some early talk of second round. You think that's faded? Uh, you know, this it just one, takes one team. I mean, the, you know, you have one outlet that says, you know, hey, he's a top sixty guy. Yeah, on the in the on their big board, and, and like you said, all sec- it takes is one team. Or sometimes grade on him, and you know, you never know. As Mike DeBoer would say, every draft has its own flavor, <laughs> and if there's a run on nickels or defensive backs, then D-Bo. that then that makes a lot of teams go, man, he's not going to be there in the next round. So they be try, the same for running backs so, too. So they jump up and get him because they're like, man, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I think I would be a little bit surprised if we hear a Tennessee name before the second half of the third round. I, I would be a little bit surprised. Now that doesn't mean I'd be shocked, but I'd go, huh, I didn't see that coming. So I I think it'll be a busier day for Tennessee on Saturday, but I could be wrong about that. You I probably will be. be. Just kidding. Probably. I love you. I, I, I love you. Ask. You know, but I, my favorite part of the draft, honestly, is waiting for the Bears to screw it up and then laughing at Ramey and how sad he's going to get. That That's one of my favorite parts of the draft. That's fair. Is is him. Because if you text him right now, we're like, hey, Grant, how, how do you feel about the Bears draft? He'd be like, go away. <laughs> he's already worried and it hasn't even happened yet. Do the Titans end up taking an Alabama player in the he, first he round? Would, they uh, might. A lot of Rashawn Evans they projections. All, all Grant would respond would be Acuna. That's all he'd say back. Yeah. <laughs> dude, dude, dude. Acuna. They're going to take Acuna. Of course, I can't really blame him. I mean, how many how many days did I sit there in previous, you know, iterations of our text thread by going, dude, Bryant, dude, dude, Bryant, he's coming up, Bryant's coming up, which led to a lot of jokes of, oh, remember when Felix P.A. was supposed to be the greatest player ever? And, boy, you're wrong on that one. Okay, you're right, I was. I wasn't the only one. You were not wrong on Shaq Wiggins, though. No, I was not. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. That is a you know because you hadn't brought it up already. You know, like you weren't gonna. How many times have you done that? You like to try to rile me up in this podcast. That's what you do. You weren't gonna mention it, were you? I'm so good at it. It's because I talk about (laughs) it's because I talk about your driving, isn't it? I haven't even mentioned. You know, because every time I laugh at the laughed at the Grizz this season, who I kind I'm kind of a Grizz guy. You were like. You you were not like, an honorary Memphian. Though. No, no, that's fair. Well, your honorary Memphian status was revoked. It had nothing to do with the Grizzlies. <laughs> that's true. But my brother's moving. You there. thought Houston was a Memphis suburb? I mean, come on. My my, my brother's going to be. Ryan bro- makes a good point. <laughs> it was the name of the high school. Okay. You know what? You knew what I was talking about. But my brother's getting ready to move to Memphis, so that's going to make Team Rucker an honorary Memphian. Yeah, your brother is an honorary Memphian, but Team not Rucker you. that doesn't encompass. I had you. no family business. This here. is Team Grant, is what that is. Same genes. 
Not in, not entirely. No. I have to hysterically. The Haslam Business School put an Instagram picture of him out there the other day, and I was like, <laughs> look at that little doofus. Can't believe it. He used to be like five years old. What happened? You're time really, flies. You're really old, and yeah, time flies. Time flies, doesn't it? But anyways, the point being that Patrick is is right, um, that I'm usually right about things. That's I, definitely not what he was saying, but yeah. I think I think, I think that's squirrels, a good place to leave it. Blind squirrels find acorns every now and then. <laughs> that's true. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We will be back tomorrow. We'll have a, our, our normal podcast talking about Tennessee spring camp, some stuff about the football team, football program. Wax poetically a little bit more about Pruitt's comments in the past week. Fulmer talking about some stuff. Looking looking forward, offense, defense, special teams, the schedule or schedule. Schedule. As you might say. Oh, yeah, as, as, as Jeremy Pruitt would say, the schedule. Schedule. There's a, there's a lot of tough skews on that on that schedule. Patrick, any final thoughts? No. <laughs> <laughs>